often people think of just getting to like this ideal technique kind of, and that can be dialed in depending on what sort of exercise pretty quickly. But I feel there's just layers and layers of it. And this may be once again, going more internal, but improving your technique of how you're thinking, how you're talking to yourself, things that are going on inside. And that's, to me, that's all still technique as well in the exercise. So it's just layers of this stuff that goes together. That was Logan Christopher, and you're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith. Welcome to episode 187. Thanks for being here. And I am excited to have Logan Christopher back on the show. He was previously a guest on episode 111, where he discussed mental training in depth, including the utilization of hypnosis and mental anchors. Uh, Logan is a strong man. He is an author, uh, two of the books of which are Mental Muscle and Powered by Nature, both fantastic. He is the owner of Legendary Strength and the CEO of Lost Empire Herbs. So uh, speaking of the things that we talked about on the last episode, after that show, I'm not, I don't remember how many months after it was, but I eventually ended up getting Logan's hypnosis tracks that he sells on Legendary, uh, Legendary Strength. And I got into some of his herbalism products and using those, I had just turned 35 and using those alongside uh, some other things like getting back on creatine again. And I was using PVC pipes for my feet, which really helped my Achilles tendonitis and allowed me to do some more um, types of jump training in addition to waking up my foot muscles. But within a few months of putting it all together there, I had reached a level of athleticism and strength that I hadn't seen in five years at the age of 35. And so long story short, there's, there's always just so much more out there that allows us to reach our potential. I think early on, we just look at training, but the older we get and the more experience we get, we start looking at the mental emotional factors. We start looking at the diet. We start looking at um, the supplementation, but the, and that's something we'll certainly get into. There was a lot in supplementation that I had no idea uh, lying there in the world of herbalism. And so it, within the scope of that time, I was also looking through uh, some of Logan's writings and his blogs. And I found this thing that was a six-layered pyramid of factors that he felt uh, contributed or were the most important things in contributing to athleticism and athletic performance and training. And at the bottom, the most important in that pyramid was mental-emotional, then followed by training, followed by sleep and recovery, then diet, then herbs and supplements, and finally spiritual elements. And so I just, I saved that, I screenshotted that pyramid, I saved it to my desktop and I was like, you know what, if nothing else, maybe I'll have him on my podcast again, we can chat again about this, but if nothing else, it was just this powerful, wow, here is a very simple but profound uh, look at what really makes a successful training. And before the show, Logan and I were able to train, uh, did some really cool things. Uh, He has a garage full of fun strongman tools. He was ripping card decks in like six different ways and i couldn't even tear like 10 cards it was it was it was really crazy and, and he's it's a really impressive athlete in the strong realm of strongman and we'll talk a little bit about um, a little bit more of that workout on the show but the show itself is all about just that it is talking and digging into logan's pyramid of strength i know we, we covered a lot of mental elements on last show and we're going to revisit some of those and with some new insights there and then get to the rest of that pyramid. And so this is just to show that I think it just helps us to take that 10,000 foot view at what are the things that really contribute to the success of a program. We spend a lot of time on the show talking about training and importantly so, 
but it's also extremely important to cover all ends of the spectrum and to be able to zoom out and see things from a little broader uh, view. So that being said, this was a really fun show. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get on to episode 187 with Logan Christopher. Man, so that was a that was a gnarly workout you've took me through there, Logan. I've never had a you know usually it's like chest and back day or legs day. That was a neck and fingers or wrists, <laughs> neck and wrist day. That was with some cool. abs in there. Yeah, we had some abs. Yeah, abs, you always got to do abs. Well, I don't really think in terms of body parts, so I have the few things I wanted to do, and you just like you want to give these a shot, and that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, man. I even in like kind of going around the the different tools you had in your home gym. It made me think of like every gym, even like a mainstream, you know, a very proper like gym or sports performance gym should have something that's awkward, like <laughs> something that is just weird and awkward and hard to handle or pick up like that red. What, that was like an anchor or what was that? Thing? A big red. It's a anchor weight. So it was used with like ships or tying things down. It's just something my older brother, he found at a place and it has handles it kind of looks like a kettlebell but has these small handles and two of them uh weighs about 150 160 pounds so we just we painted it red and started lifting it and it's just a fun object i think like almost like the color of it probably has an impact too right like the visual thing if it's red and it's gnarly like i don't know if it was like pink you couldn't paint that one pink. i, don't, I mean you could but it's, you could i mean i've done some fun things as for most guys anyway at least like the color pink is actually going to weaken them like yeah. it's going to be a subtle effect and definitely you could override it by you know not paying attention or whatnot but the colors do have an impact so that is worth looking at yeah yeah that's why the one in three pounders in the gym are always pink like it's not and some <laughs> kettlebells are pink too but it's always like the lighter ones like right. the heavier ones are never the pink ones yeah there's there's reasons for colors so people should be aware of that yeah i think yeah it seems like that was the only reasonable maybe black i could see black maybe being that too but that's kind of a i don't know red is definitely a perfect yeah. color for that well thing. it just gave us a good name to give that big red like i've had that now for probably close to a decade uh, don't use it all the time, but it's fun to bring out once in a while, and especially when uh, a guest is over. And it, what's this thing? Like, let's try picking it up in these few ways. <laughs> yeah, like, can you 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 can you can come to my house if you can clean this, <laughs> or I couldn't press it over my head to save my life. But yeah. uh, the the clean, yeah, the clean. It was fun just figuring that out versus a typical Olympic. Right, clean. that's the that's the beauty of odd objects, which is that's what I would fit in there. Like a, a barbell or a dumbbell, these are made to be lifted, and that's a good thing, right? That we can maximize the weight that we use, and it's safe and balance and whatnot but odd objects because they are not made to be lifted they are odd it takes more balance so you're working different muscles stabilizers the grip changes all these different aspects that makes it harder but that means that your neurology is going to have to kind of work harder to do that it's going to be strengthening those stabilizing muscles it's going to be doing a lot more for the body just by going outside of the the normal box yeah it made me think about uh i had rafe kelly on like big parkour and movement guy up in seattle about probably like six episodes ago and he was talking about i think katie bowman said it was kind of like you're if you just do one thing over and over again you get a callus in a very specific spot or your body becomes very attuned to one specific way of movement and when i was uh we're, you had me trying to rip the card deck and i my grip strength is pretty good like for an average guy in the street i'm quite a bit you know i've closed the iron mine too and almost got the two and a half not now anymore but man just those little specific points in my fingers I could feel that we're not strong in trying to accomplish that. As it just it, it reminds me of training as a whole. Like if we just do the same things in the gym, and you're an athlete, and you you want to be robust throughout the the gamut of things. So I think nothing almost reminds you of that more than trying to do something very subtle, <laughs> like rip a deck of cards in half. But even working with awkward things, it makes you appreciate all the other muscles and movements that are part of the whole system. Yeah, the human body is quite amazing. It can move in 
just unlimited number of ways, really, if you think of combinations with it. And pretty much everyone gets like locked into some sort of training system, even say CrossFit, right, which is known as like cross training. It's still a limited collection of movements. They don't really have grip training inside, uh, like it's used in some of the exercises, but every single system out there is a limited collection of movements. And really, if we are looking at health, kind of like all around athleticism, then the more different movements you can do, the better off you'll be. So yeah, there's a time and a place, especially as a competitive athlete to like specialize in certain things, but why not become a generalist? I think the average person is going to be much better for that. Or if you just want to be all around athletic, that's going to give you a good base of performance from which you can then begin to specialize. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about myself is like, and, and Rafe Kelly mentioned it, and it's I know it's a big Edo Portal thing, especially if you're not specializing in anything, you should be a generalist. Like just to, and plus it's just fun, just improving in something. Be you're able to improve in something more often too versus, well, I've done the same lift for, 20 years and I mean not that it's not admirable to keep working at that I certainly keep working at that with various lifts and sprinting and jumping and all these mm-hmm. things but it's always fun to go outside of those boxes and just find like the little things you can always continue to improve in and I'm I know you you've probably been rotating those things in r- routinely in your own training and regimen yeah I'd say that's one of the principles I live by is rotation over time so yeah definitely you want to keep the foundation as a foundation mm-hmm. like they're the basic movement patterns of squat pushing pulling whatnot those those are foundations for a reason, like getting get away from those at your own risk. But there are one, a thousand different ways you can do those movements. You don't need to be doing the same exact, you know, back squat every single yes. time. Uh, but then because there are so many movements available, you can rotate over time. So yeah, sometimes I'm doing like a whole bunch of weightlifting. Other times I'm not touching weight at all. It's all body weight training. Sometimes it's a mix of them. Sometimes I'm doing way more kettlebell stuff. Like we didn't even try kettlebell juggling. Today. <laughs> yeah, so no, I was, yeah, had next it not been raining outside, I think we would have done it because that the amount of movements just in that skill set right there, which many people think it's a lot harder than it actually is, but it's one of the most fun, one of the most dynamic ways of training possible that I, I just absolutely love it. Yeah, and I feel like even just kettlebell juggling, and I know I had a podcast with Corey Schlesinger, uh, basketball strength and conditioning coach, a while back, and he really loves kettlebell juggling. And it makes me think about, uh, Rafe Kelly mentioned this, or like the idea that, and I don't know what your experience is with the kettlebell juggling and strength and, and, and inroads to strength, but the idea that the more complex movement kind of can rise all ships in the sense of if you're sprinting fast and doing it a lot, your clean might go up because it's kind of that hip, powerful hip extension. Or I think like even like Donnie Thompson, there's talks about like him doing kettlebell swings to improve his deadlift. Did you feel like doing kettlebell juggling had any crossover to just any more sort of raw strength or was that skill very specific to itself? I'd say it'd be hard to say just because I have mixed and matched things yeah. for so long that, um, yeah, I can't necessarily say that. I, I will say with kettlebell juggling, um, it's what I mean by it being dynamic is you are not only like swinging, like it's all built off of the kettlebell swing for the most part, which is a really great movement. Like Donnie Thompson mm-hmm. is deadlift went up, but you're not just doing it in this linear manual or I guess two dimensional mm-hmm. with kettlebell juggling. Very few training is actually three dimensional, but kettlebell juggling is you are 
launching, flipping, <laughs> and catching a weight. So you're not only uh, <clears throat> applying force, but then you are redirecting it. You are catching the force. So it's it's really hitting the body in much different ways. And then the, the hand-eye coordination, all these different elements. So you can build strength by working with heavier bells. You can build endurance by doing something light and just going over and over. It really can hit so much in a little bit of time while being tremendous fun while doing so. Yeah, shoot. Uh, maybe if we have a couple minutes after this. I, I, <laughs> you want to do it now? Yeah, yeah. I'll, let's just throw it now we'll throw it back and forth while we're talking i i I had this it was almost like a revelation um i've been having i've been working with swimmers for a long time we do a lot of medicine ball drills that that are kind of sort of similar to what their stroke might be like but i was thinking the other day and just watching them do it enough times that to add a reactive element to that perhaps and for uh, um, example if i'm standing and i'm 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 throwing a medicine ball down somewhat similar to how my catch is in the water but instead of just throwing it down, when the ball bounces back up, hitting it with like the back of your hand to help it rise, and then your hand has to come around top real quick, just to break that mm. like slow, methodical, where you almost can get into a slow, it, it keeps it reactive. There's always like, and I've seen, I think I got that idea too from seeing Kettlebell, um, I think it was uh, Mike Salemi in his Kettlebell course, like doing like a, like like throw the cub up and then try to tap it real quick you know mm-hmm. just like that reactive element yeah. of the bells it's like you're more alive within the set too it's it's less mundane yeah yeah, the speed of not only hand reactions, but the kettlebell gets dropped. So foot reaction speed is also <laughs> very good. I've, I've never hurt myself in kettlebell juggling despite doing it hours and hours except for one time. And I was doing a pretty stupid move. Hard to describe just by audio here, but a kettlebell cartwheel. So I was literally like <laughs> launching into a side to side flip from a cartwheel. So and I tried to do this with a 53 pound weight, like I was pulling it off with 36 so besides that one where I'll admit I was going pushing the limits a little too much there, never hurt myself in doing so. So it's not nearly as hard as a lot of people imagine. Yeah, the, the human body is so reactive and survival minded. Like you probably have, I bet you've seen yourself react way faster than you thought you had in you and that if you <laughs> missed a catch and you had to like get your foot out of the way. Like Yeah, then it's good to have those reflexes when the da- like literally my daughter's falling down the stairs the uh, other day and I'm sitting right there and I catch her with my foot. <laughs> like it was like, it was a good dad reflex moment. <laughs> yeah, thank you kettlebell juggling too for the foot. Yeah, no, it, that stuff is in you. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, it just does make me think too. It, even training uh, specialists, where it's like you have a sport and you're specializing, when you're doing the general work, if you just have athletes do one movement and they get overly attached to the general movement that's not their sport, I think that can be a bad thing too. And that's where cycling those things in periodically, mm-hmm. just so you don't get. If you get too hung up on something that's not your top end sport, I think that that can be a little damaging because then you're just you find yourself grinding too much on something that isn't quite as high in the transfer list. So be, to be able to cycle those things in, mm-hmm. keep it fun and fresh has always been. And then, so that's where it's just like working out with different coaches and getting ideas there, doing workouts with it, even odd objects from time to time. Yeah. It's always a really cool thing. But I'd say in addition to the general is whatever kind of movements you're doing in your sport, you're, you're doing those a lot, right? There's going to be some sort of contralateral movement. Mm-hmm. So working the body in the opposite direction is generally going to, one, help balance the body out. Like you don't need to seek asymmetry, like exact balance that's generally not going to happen you don't want to be too asymmetric Mm -hmm. but if you can do some opposite work oftentimes people will find that helps kind of unlock the brakes for better performance so finding and this there can be a bunch of things so swimmers is often the arms overhead so working in down low positions Mm -hmm. there's a bunch of different stuff like that that you definitely want to pursue and that could 
form that base of other work. Yeah, like showing them the opposite, basically. It allow the body to mm-hmm. have other options, be safe, and then you can go back to your work and just be yeah. be better at it. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, so one thing, Logan, that you posted probably a long time ago, like this Pyramid of Strength, probably like four years ago? I, I don't Something know. like that. Yeah. I, I saw, it's been saved on my desktop for a really long time just because I, I saw it, I screenshotted it. I was like, this is really cool. And I think that it, it's simple, but it makes all the sense in the world. And so you had listed this pyramid of things that uh, were, it was basically like, what's, what, what is the basic underlying principle of, of strength and human performance? And then, uh, so I knew you had, you had mental, emotional being the base training is the second layer. Sleep recovery is the third layer. Diets, the fourth herbs and supplements is the fifth. And then the spiritual element being the sixth. So I'd love to, in, the, in our time today, I'd love to get through as much of that as we can. <laughs> I, we could probably spend, shoot, each, each layer could really be a show or two yep. probably in and of itself. Uh, but let's talk about that. So first off, what, uh, what, led you to, like, what, what led you to put that down on paper? Like what were some thought processes and ideas that led you to even create that? Yeah, I'm always trying to think through things and the, the models that we have in mind. So this is a pyramid-shaped model, but the models we have in mind kind of dictate a lot of what we are doing. So the actual behaviors that we're following. And I was just thinking about performance and what really makes the most of this. Um, obviously, the training's super important, but that, I didn't even start with that as the base. Uh, I felt the mental emotional component because you know we're thinking and feeling beings that involves everything that we're doing and a lot of people they may there's often like a cursory acknowledgement of like mental aspects of training like oh yeah you got to believe in yourself and that sort of thing but often there really isn't a dialing into that and really kind of understanding that just the the things you're thinking right before you do an exercise or a sprint or whatever you're doing are going to dictate your performance to some degree. Uh, So I think really understanding that and even just going to a workout, going to the gym, uh, you're taking your mood into that. You're taking your thoughts and feelings. If you get in like a huge argument, you know, how many people are going to be successful in the gym after that? I'm guessing some people can like channel that anger into that, but other people, they're just going to be worthless for the moment so there's the understanding yourself component of this but then really being able to manipulate your state your mood and your thought processes your visualization all throughout that so i feel like that's such a huge component whether or not people recognize it yeah uh, absolutely and i like and i know we'll get into as many of these as we can i I like the order of it intrigued me as well i and i you know if you would have asked me five years ago um me having never seen this pyramid, I probably would have put training on the bottom myself. You know, it wasn't until... Last- I, I think the first iteration of that, I had that there. Then I was like, no, I think this actually fits at the base instead. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where... I think the longer we're just in the physical training game, the coaching game, eventually there comes, I think, a point in our life where that does sw- that, that switch happens. I think in, in mm-hmm. all uh, great coaches I've worked with and seen, I've seen that that flip-flop exists and that that underlying layer even recently in a lot of um i work with like dr tommy john and the jay schrader system and, and the the intention behind everything the emotion behind everything and i see it in training and i see it in athletes i think it's i think it's so important i think well how many athletes have said 90 percent of the game is mental right yeah and it doesn't matter what sport doesn't matter what we're talking about they always say that because once again it's pervading everything that you're doing like 
you couldn't have a brain dead person even involved in training. So that's one of the reasons it's, it's on the base, right? It yeah. doesn't work without it. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, there was somebody, I think it was when I was looking up, um, like I was doing some research into, uh, auto regulatory, like, like biofeedback deadlift training. I think mm-hmm. Dave, Dave Delanov had mm-hmm. talked about in a powerlifter named Adam Glass. And yep. in this interview, Adam Glass said, well, if you're not strong, it's because you don't want to be strong. <laughs> and that, it always sticks with me. And yep. it honestly even sticks, and I look at times in my life where my lifts in the gym haven't been great. It's just because I've let them be that way. It's not necessarily, and maybe it was fine for that. But it's if, if I ever let it get to that point, it's because I was okay with that. And if I wanted mm-hmm. to get strong, then I got strong. It's right. It's that... And, um, well, we can look at that in more kind of macro picture yeah. too. Like, you know, growing up, I thought I was just like, I was not, I was not strong at all. I did not have athleticism. Like I was not born this way at all. And I was like the proverbial 98 pound weakling in high school. I played football, but was never any good. Um, it was, you're, you're not strong. Also, if you don't know, you have a choice to be strong. Right. And that some people yeah, are gifted yeah. with this, right. We all have different gifts. We all have different weaknesses. So, but recognizing that you do have that choice and then can pursue it. So I've become a fairly well-known strongman for some crazy stuff that I do because I found that I could go in the gym. And for me, it was really the like crucible where I formed my character, like much more than just the physical strength that I've obtained uh, by doing these sort of actions. So it's that, that, choice to be able to do that and then go after it yeah to make a choice yeah i, I think and that's all mental stuff right <laughs> yes because i think a lot of people don't realize especially if you're living in a little bit of a victim mentality or anything like that you don't mm-hmm. think you have a choice and right. you think this is just the way and like you say we all have different gifts we all have different ceilings and all the different lifts and movements and, and human abilities but it's it is a choice i i liked what you also had like i think a lot of people would put uh, diet as maybe the base layer. And I mean, it is a health first thing, but I remember thinking, well, see, I, I was actually having yeah. a conversation, uh, with a guy, Mike T. Nelson on my podcast just recently. And oh, yeah. for performance, like diet is not the most important thing. Uh, cause how many like Olympic level athletes are eating Cheetos and live like <laughs> yes. completely crap McDonald's, food, right? Yes. <laughs> you can have all kinds of crap food and still be performing at a level. Now that is not necessarily the healthiest. That's not like long-term sustainable, but then most of these athletes are younger guys, right? So that's a period where you can do that. If we want long-term performance, I wouldn't say that's a sustainable thing, but, and oftentimes if you do have someone with that tweaking that, they may be able to improve their performance still further but it's not the most important thing if we're looking at changing body composition obviously much more important than but for performance not it's it's up there high for a reason oh 100 percent. yeah and especially if you're young and you still happen to you have the ability to have a good maintain a good body comp despite that you know like you can get away with like christian tibido i read an article about matt fraser with the crossfit like he ate like mcdonald's before the last lot or something yep. like that just insane i i, I was thinking about um in the book, it was, I, think it was the, I think it was the book Easy Strength where Pavel Satsling was talking about he's like this this like Russian militia group or something was making these great kettlebell using kettlebell ladders or like something some training methods like they were malnourished da 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 mm-hmm. but they still made these huge strength gains and so you think about well yeah well that's those first two layers at play right the training and the mental right. emotional and then yeah maybe diet wasn't that great and we just that is what it is or mm-hmm. even like i don't know you probably think like prison food like a prisoner is getting jacked and you know it's not like they get like the full organic you know like yeah. max horrible food yeah, max spectrum you just eat what you have and you have to rely on the other two things so 
Yeah, so diet is important, but more so for health than yes. performance, but it does still play into performance, so oh. don't want to neglect it for that. That's why it's on there still. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and I could see, I mean, and I definitely could see it being, I mean, there you could make the argument for it being the base layer, but it, yeah, it's 100% for health. I totally agree with you, and as I move into my mid-30s, it just it's like that moves up on the rung a little bit for me year after year after year it, after it tends year. to become more important or more more awareness gets built as far as what's working what's not i wanted to take a quick break from the show to share with you a little bit about what our sponsor simplyfaster.com now has available in their store you hear me mention in the outro of the show all the time about the free lap timing system in the k-box which i have and use regularly but today I wanted to share a little bit more about the bar speed monitoring units that Simply Faster has, which is the GymWare and the new portable flex unit. So let me start with the GymWare. I mention it regularly on the show. It's been referred to as the Cadillac of bar speed monitors. Carl Valley calls it a lab inside a lunchbox, as the readings you get out of the GymWare go well beyond typical concentric or just up the up phase of the lift velocities. Rather, you can measure the entire shape of the barbell lift in terms of eccentric velocity, range of motion, and total work done. Total work being awesome, by the way, especially like comparing a long-armed bench presser or a 6'10 squatter versus a 5'11 point guard. So you're getting all these extra metrics that you're not getting on other units. It's perfect for teams wanting to manage the weight room, and the data synchronizes to software platforms such as Coach Me Plus, Team Builder, and Athlete Monitoring. So, new to the store is the Flex, which is the ultra-portable and lower-priced travel version of the coach's favorite gym wear. So just like the gym wear, the Flex measures the shape of each rep, range of motion, total work done, eccentric dynamics. So for this and the gym wear, this is the advantage that a force plate would have over just knowing how high you jumped. You're getting many other metrics and information that go into this unit of work. Compared to similar portable bar speed monitors, this unit gets the entire rep rather than a fraction. So you have here two awesome tools. And if you're interested in upping your game in the velocity-based training and bar speed world, I would definitely recommend heading to the store at simplyfaster.com and checking into these two units. All right, let's get back to the show. No, yeah, for sure. And so I'm, I'm looking, I hope we have plenty of time to cover that and especially getting to the uh, herbs and supplements. And so let's, let's start with the mental emotional. I know we covered a lot of this last time uh, in terms of, and you said it like 90% of athletes will say, Oh, the mental game is so important, but but no one really like trains it. So it's like I think we we realize it, but how much credence do we really pay to every training? You know, and and this is what we'll get into is like you said. There's the the practice, the training, and the testing elements. So mm-hmm. where do we really get into that? Um, but yeah, a lot of people just don't. They they don't. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's a fuzzy subject, right? Yeah. So I'd say mental train. Even if we're talking about like visualization or whatnot, our, our thoughts, our feelings, right? They're they're internal, right? We're not seeing them out in the external world. So for that reason alone, a lot of people kind of dismiss them or don't put much credence into them. It's also like slippery, right? A thought can come and a thought can go, and you don't even necessarily recognize it uh, i would argue that everyone almost everyone pretty much most of the time is visualizing before they do an exercise they just may not be aware of it period yes. right so to even get into like solid processes of mental training that's another thing like people don't have a process they've heard these things like oh the game is 90 percent mental you got to believe in yourself if you don't have a process of actually doing that then you know people are left kind of floating not knowing what to do uh, but with visualization you, you got to learn these steps and you got to have the awareness to even be able to uh get 
results from doing it. So you're, you're visualizing yourself talking, but if you don't notice that you're doing those things, there's not much you can do with it in the first place. Yeah, I completely agree with the awareness thing. Cause like people know it's important, but it's not really on that awareness radar yet. The older I've gotten, the more, especially for me, it's oftentimes basketball because when I was in high school, I was the most hot and cold player in the world. Never was aware why, obviously I didn't even think about it. It's yeah. just, Oh, I'm shooting well now. Oh, now I can't make anything. It's like every year I start to understand that it's not even a skill thing. It's not like, oh, just my skills just went. It's it's always something that's emotional. It's always related, even related to my own core and my own self-worth is. And and what how do I emotionally react when I miss a shot? And mm-hmm. how does that impact the rise and fall of my own physiology? And, and so unpacking that has been really massive for me. Uh, so maybe we can go over quickly in, in talking about this a little further because I would like to get into... I mean, like, how do we apply this, right? Do we, what layers of awareness are we going to apply to every set we do or every sprint we do or jump or skill or skill um, point of acquisition? So we were in our workout uh, hand balancing, I think something we both mutually um, have done in the past. So a good point to do. And I know um, I went from, I think two or three seconds, my first few tries to after a little guided session with you, I did mm-hmm. about 15 and it was a profound change. But we also did a little technical work in there. Yep. So I think that's because that's important. It's like you can't just have every single set be like visualize this. There has to be some instruction at some point as well. So right. well, there's we, technique yeah, in yeah. every sort of exercise. So I figured that that was a good place to start. You went and came in and said like, hey, let's work on handstands. Want to improve this a little bit? So let, let's start on the physical, the base, you know, the, the training level, if you will, and just see if there's some certain things there. And the, the reason we wanted to do that is, of course, if we're visualizing after that, which is what we went into, want to visualize more of a correct technique, something that's more useful for the exercise itself. Yeah, because I was thinking like a lot of people listening to this too might be thinking like it, whether weightlifting, maybe sprinting, you know, there's may, or there, maybe there's some technical elements we want to work on. Uh, and then maybe towards the end or once we get a, those are established and they're not um, maybe once it's out of your conscious mind so much a little bit where it becomes more automatic, then maybe this is the point where yeah, techniques pretty easy, right? You're, you're starting out and you're getting coaching a technique after you've done that for a while, then it should be pretty automatic. Then we can begin really focusing more kind of inward, if you will, yeah. uh, with the visualization, with the, the inside kinesthetics, the stuff that's going on. So yeah, in most places I would assume most of the people I'm working with generally kind of have a good or decent enough foundation of technique. There might be some minor things to tweak there. Uh, but then, yeah, taking that focus from, Oh, if you're focusing on where your balancing point or anything like this, you're not going to kind of have that same mindset as when you can go inward. Yeah. I, I was thinking it could be on almost a micro and a macro level. Like for us, it was kind of more towards the end of the training, the part of the training or the middle to the end. I guess it could, it could easily be, um, I guess it could easily be either, but then, even the course of a week or a month, maybe you almost have, you know, you think about the number of sessions you have um, where it's more technical and then you have mm-hmm. days that are like a, like a testing day uh, you had mentioned, like mm-hmm. where you're actually testing yourself at that point, you probably don't want to be thinking of any instruct. It's like you let your want to be at the point where your subconscious blends it together. And that's where that stuff would probably really come yeah. out. I'd imagine. Yeah. And I honestly, I think we could have started with visualization yeah. and then done oh, yeah. the, the technique. And I think we would have had good results there as well. I think it, we're separating these things out, but honestly, like the, the visualization, I kind of see that as a technique component because uh, often people think of just getting to like this ideal technique kind of, and that can be dialed in depending on what sort of exercise pretty quickly. But I feel there's just layers and layers of it, 
and this may be once again going more internal, but improving your technique of how you're thinking, how you're talking to yourself, things that are going on inside. And that's to me, that's all still technique as well in the exercise. So it's just layers of this stuff that goes together. Yeah, that's a good point. I think about it too in the world of, and especially something the, the faster the movement gets, like like something like sprinting, for example, I think the more, the more different techniques you'll see versus something that's perhaps a little bit slower. Um, I think about the idea of um, like the subconscious always knows the best technique if, in terms of what it's been given. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that could be an important part of it as well. Just like to, to never get too far into perhaps a manufactured technique that isn't what the body could handle and to let, to always come back to, well, or maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but even, even like establishing initial technique, I know like even right. just giving someone an instruction can be hard for the brain to process if it's trying to do a lot of things at once. So just, yeah. well, it's all habit, it's like, right? Yeah. And you're going through this unconscious incompetency to conscious incompetency, mm-hmm. c- conscious competency. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, that whole thing, right? So uh, you're going through these in your mind. Your conscious mind can only pay attention to five plus yeah. or minus two things at a time. Uh, so you don't want to be giving too much. That's why you, especially if it's a somewhat complicated move, you start with the basics. You let them work on that. Tell that becomes automatic. That becomes habit, and then you do some tweaks from that point. And with visualization. Um, you can be using this process in order to further refine the technique uh, because I found that visualization, well, a lot of people have heard myths that like habits take 21 days Mm -hmm. to become habit, right? Or 30 days, right? But really it's it's more a matter of repetition as well as the emotions driving into it. So I found using visualization, you can basically just be doing mental rehearsal. You get the mental repetitions, you can be wiring it into your neurology just by imagining it, not even having to necessarily physically do it. Although, of course, you should follow through with doing such a thing. Especially in training for like speed and power and strength where there's longer rest intervals, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to CrossFit, you have so much time to take advantage of in between these sets and and doing those things and visualizing the technique. I think we just don't, I mean, because it can be as simple as that. I just don't think we tend to do it. And like you said, with the awareness, I think a lot of people just crank the music they they try to find a feeling they want for the mm-hmm. workout which is fine i think it's fine in a lot of cases well that's it's you know? state control music yeah. is used <clears throat> to control state so it, and it's a very effective method for doing so yeah it, but it's just like if you want to like crack that plateau almost you have to find and so that's really interesting what you mentioned with the the habit uh change so you i think we were talking before like you found ways to how fast like you you could just do it in a couple days versus the typical yeah i've, I've literally time. felt like i've rewired habits in a single day just by a few different methods it's it's a large kind of process, so can't really give the whole thing here, but the basics of it is using some visualization, doing some things to actually like take the values of that emote, that uh, habit and really kind of drive them into that thing. So it's, it's, you're taking, you're basically, you're making something more valuable to yourself personally through emotional, like raising emotions. Yeah, so the analogy I use is a phobia, right? So most people don't think of phobias as habits, but a person with a phobia of spiders, they see a spider, they're not forgetting to do, <laughs> to go mm-hmm. into a fear yeah. pattern in doing it. And oftentimes phobias come about because of a single traumatic incident, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that is a habit getting installed in a single traumatic incident. It is the emotional fear that's driving it. So 
you know, do we want to use fear to drive all our habits? Not really going to help us in the gym so much, yes. but can we take other emotions? Can we take our higher order values and really drive them into the thing? And I found methods of doing exactly that and then wiring it in through the visualization. Oh, absolutely. I've yeah. heard some really smart people say exactly the same thing with that, like the higher order emotions and what you're doing. It's, mm -hmm. it's just, that resonates really heavily. I just think that's, it's really important stuff. I, I, um, one thing I do want to touch on, uh, as long as we're talking about this with the mental emotional and we probably covered it last time, but if people don't remember podcast 111, uh, just even what we went through in handstands. So I think you had me between, so after some basic technical instruction, you had me, uh, visualizing, but then incorporating some other senses. So could you tell me a little bit about yeah. that process? Well, uh, I'll say the take home for people listening. This is like the simplest kind of hack I have mm -hmm. as far as visualization. Before you do an exercise, visualize yourself doing the exercise and then just make everything brighter as if someone is turning up the lights in the room, but also like making the, the colors more vivid. So uh, one person likened this to going from like standard definition to high definition. Just do this in your visualization and you'll often find you can do more or it's easier doing whatever it is. That's like the, the simplest tip I can give you there. Uh, so we did start with that. And then I uh, went into kind of the kinesthetic. So we use the word visualization, but that's really a misnomer. Uh, our imagination, I mean, that's still coming from the same root as uh, image. So it, these words aren't very good. It, it's more of a mental rehearsal. So we want to incorporate the different senses in there. Uh, so the three main senses by which we interact with the world is the kinesthetic, our tactile proprioceptions, our feelings, which this one's still muddy because we talk about external feelings and internal too. Uh, but then the auditory channel, what we hear, and then the visual channel, what we see. So often in the gym, people are thinking about what they're seeing and what they're feeling. So with the handstand, you felt a connection with the uh, throughout the body, right? I use the, the word stiff as a board, and that had a negative connotation, so that didn't feel right, right? Which is good feedback. Uh, so we did that and just feeling that connection through the body, which is really important for it. Then I asked what you heard, and your answer was, Nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't thinking that was off yeah. the radar for me. Yeah, that's, and this is very typical, especially in gym stuff, which I do a lot of, is it's the, the visual and the kinesthetic, no auditory. But the auditory is often there, so uh, you can bring in music. Using that, even just internally, using that music to control your state can be helpful. You can... You know, people have imagined like people around them cheering them on or yelling at them, you know, depending yeah. on what motiv motivates them, hearing their breathing. So different things we can bring this in that one, it's going to make it more real, but also add more energy to the visualization as well. I love that idea of I've never heard that before. The idea of um, well, first, I'll, I'll proceed by saying this. I I was feeling like benefit from the visualization and the making it brighter. But what the, I felt like it was massively impactful when you asked me, what am I hearing? And I was like nothing. And then. I heard like a little bit of the rain outside. And to me, that was actually calming because to me, it helped hmm. put me in the calm place to achieve yeah. balance yeah. where I'm usually just like over the top. Like I think I have a hard time finding that place. And so that was... Well, see, and really that's hard. actually probably like calming is probably useful for doing the handstand. Yeah. And that's the thing with visualization. You're going to want... Although you may have like a quote unquote workout state, like kind mm -hmm. of a general like amped upness, different activities, you're going to want different things. Some you're going to want to be like totally psyched up, like doing a short range partial. Yeah, uh, that's, you know, the max amount of psyching for that is going to be very ideal. Uh, whereas doing something like a handstand or something where flexibility is involved, that is going to be too psyched up. You're going to want to be more relaxed in doing it. Yeah. So being able to manipulate what they call your arousal state in sports psychology is uh, very appropriate 
Yeah, I, I think that's a really yeah, great point, especially for a lot of uh, getting outside the gym and getting into sports skills or just skills, right? Like anything, and I even think something that's even something that's violent, explosive, like sprinting or various like dynamic sports skills, I can almost see that rain or the calming being, because so many athletes are on sympathetic overload anyways, like mm-hmm. modern technology and and you know, pre-workouts and... and <laughs> well, I, just modern day living, yes, everyone. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that especially even to, you're, you're going to have a certain amount of training volume. And it's like, I would almost rather have an athlete get that training volume in, in a little more calm and connected state th- than a hyper amped up state for that. Like heavy yeah, partial. I, I feel a lot of people, they kind of use like anger in the gym or different motions like this, which can be, it's like a quick burst of power yeah. and anger. A lot of people think that the negative emotion, but really it's like a, it's a driving emotion. It's, it's getting us to act uh, when some sort of injustice or thing has mm-hmm. been done on you just, it, it's good and useful you just don't want to stay in that. So if yeah. you're using that as a motion in the gym, uh, you may be successful with that. But, you know, there's also a time and place to take like a more Zen-like approach and not being able to do that. And uh, I think competition is great, especially uh, like weightlifting competitions or strongman, because what is that? This is quick bursts of yeah. activity and then a lot of waiting around. <laughs> so you need to be able to amp up when you need to amp up and otherwise just relax yourself. And a lot of people aren't successful in competition because they don't have this state control and many different tools from like hypnosis, there's tapping, there's all kinds of different things playing with visualization, uh, breath control, all these things that can really help manipulate the state. And that's going to be one of the best things for any sort of athletic success. I, I totally see that. And I, I, I think anyone, any strength coach who works with like a, a, a sport athlete, a basketball, a football, whatever, is always going to be able to name those couple athletes, well, if not more than a couple, who are always in that sympathetic straight state, who are regularly trying to harness like an anger state mm-hmm. or a really like hyper aroused state. But the problem is when you get on the basketball court, that doesn't work. Those players, and I've talked with other coaches about this, those players are oftentimes really jumpy. They're not very patient. It's like mm-hmm. you have to and get And then they'll out burn themselves out, right? Yeah. Like an adrenaline jump and then you got no no sustaining power. Yeah. And it's just they don't make good decisions. And it's just and, – and if I've learned anything – and that was – I think that's why I could often get in an up-and-down state in a, the skills or as a basketball player or anything like that is I – I was great at going in the basement in my house and turning up the music and lifting a heavy weight. But mm. I think that I, which I, I don't think is a bad thing for an athlete to do by any means. I think no. it's a good thing, but it's like, can you do that in a state that reflects the state you're going to be in, in sport, you know, for, for the majority of the time. Yeah. I, well, yeah. can you take it up to 100? <laughs> can you also take it down to zero? If yes. you can do that well and, the more and more control you can have of that process. So if you do have that argument with the wife or whatever, (laughs) right, and be able to still like compartmentalize that and go and do the gym, like the more control you have of the state, the more successful you're going to be, not just in performance, I'd say in other areas of life too. So it's, it's a constant practice. Like life will throw lots of fun (laughs) tests at us to do this, but being able to work on this to be able to amp up when you need to and be able to relax when you need to. Those are two essential human skills. Yeah, 100%. How you do anything is how you do everything. And I imagine when you're doing uh, kettlebell juggling versus heavy partials, you probably have a lot different visualizations and music and everything. I imagine like the, the, the heaviest of the heavy metal probably isn't or maybe it is being played for the kettlebell juggling but versus a heavier lift. Yeah, definitely. I'd say that like most psyched up states is like short range partial lifts i find that works really good there uh otherwise i it's not so much anger driven i am even though i may be playing the metal um 
I just enjoy metal, so that doesn't necessarily put me in like a super amped up state. Yeah. It's kind of like a relaxed but energized state for me. Yeah, I think p- different people would have a yeah. different response to metal music oh, too. Absolutely. Some people yeah. walk in the door. It's all individual. Like, <laughs> like, I'm already stressed out. Put something up. Put some pop yeah. on or something. And you know, I'm not going to listen to that if I'm like trying to do a stretching session, right? More yeah. like classical music or something like that. It's going to be much more suited to that. And I have literally like had times where i'm not listening to music or i do change my music significantly if i'm rotating to some very different forms of training you're listening to the just fly performance podcast brought to you by simply faster oh yeah for sure so would you say just as kind of a generality i think people who are doing like a, a wide variety of training means just before every set um i guess just be doing something that's that's in those realms like uh, visual and say just visualization brighten up the image super simple thing uh notice if you're saying anything to yourself obviously uh this is something where your beliefs are going to come across Mm -hmm. like oh i don't think i'll be able to pull this off Mm -hmm. that's not going to be very helpful for doing any sort of lift or being successful in anything so once again a lot of this is unconscious or subconscious uh but the more you focus on it the more that's gonna you're gonna become aware of these things and then you can notice that and begin to shift it you can you can't really necessarily stop these things like often if you do have stuff like that uh there may be some like belief change processes that we'd want to do to address that but you can at least just like override it you can instead say like no i I am going to be able to do this and do it with even if you're saying these things internally there's going to be the tone there's going to be volume all these auditory qualities are going to come into play and that's going to dictate how you feel about the thing and thus the results you get i totally agree even like even like asking yourself the question i think can lead you to deeper things like Mm -hmm. i was I was playing basketball the other week and I was just, as is typical of me, start out really hot, make it everything and then just go cold. And it's always (laughs) how I play. And I'm like, and I finally asked myself the question as I'm playing, I'm like, why is this happening to me? And it's actually kind of almost taken back as I was playing to some times from my childhood, some beliefs that were imprinted on me on who I was as a result of sport. And then my self-talk changed in the end and I did way better. And it's like, this is powerful stuff, man. Like, and um, I just think, yeah, like you said, 90% of people say it, but yeah, so few really take the time to go in and, and to go through it. Right. Well, just think anyone listening to this, are you performing at like your complete potential 100% of the time? I don't think anyone's going to agree with that. Right. And what is stopping? Is it a physical thing that's stopping you? No, it's, it's going to be on the mental or emotional level that is uh, stopping you from getting to that potential or being able to do it consistently at least. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, I know we could, like I said, we could, talk about each of these at length for probably these layers of the pyramid for we probably could do a three-day seminar on it yeah it could be a three-day <laughs> seminar so let's let's move up the pyramid a little bit i know uh training we were talking a little bit about what we were doing but i'd love to get more into the sleep diet and the herbs and sure. supplements section so uh sleep and recovery in your your own training and and your i mean this is a huge broad question but there is there anything specifically that you've been focusing on lately in the realms of sleeping and recovering better that have been impactful i sleep quite well and like Fortunately for me, it's been something that's come pretty easy to me, but even with having a a baby recently, like still prioritizing sleep, I'd say I get between seven and nine hours of sleep per night. Like me and my wife just really prioritize that. And we're lucky to have a baby that sleeps pretty well, though I do think I do think we've done a few things to help enforce that. But I know to some degree it's a crapshoot. So I do count our blessings in that. But yeah, we really uh, prioritize sleep, but I do have very good sleep hygiene. So Sleep is about quality and quantity, right? So it's not just about the hours that you 
log in, right? Many people think of that, but the quality of the sleep. So, uh, you know, how quickly are you getting into deep sleep? How long are you staying there? And I'm, because I sleep well, like I'm not doing some intensive aura ring sleep tracking at this time. Don't feel it's necessary for me, though I have played around with that stuff in the past. I just, I don't have electronics in the bedroom, right? I don't bring my phone in there and I'm certainly not checking it first thing in the morning, <laughs> anything like that. I sleep on a grounded sheet. So this is electrically grounded to the outlet that runs outside. So there's negative electron flow, which is scientifically shown to improve sleep, uh, lower domestic uh, delayed onset muscle soreness, lower inflammation, do all kinds of beneficial things. So I sleep that way. I just recently, actually, I've been shutting off the Wi-Fi in my house for a long time, but recently I've been shutting off the full power breakers oh, just nice. so there's no elect less electrical yeah. pollution because this is a subtle thing but very well researched that this is having negative effects on us humans subtle things some people are canaries in the coal mines for this so uh electro hypersensitivity but everyone is being affected because this stuff is triggering things happening on a cellular level in us it just may not come out as a problem many years down the line until that that time. So I, I'm doing all these kinds of things to really help uh, reinforce having good sleep. And um, yeah, it's very important because everything you do in the gym, like that is just the trigger. It's the body's own recuperative processes, which that comes to diet, that comes to sleep, comes to how well balanced are your hormones. That's going to really be you coming back bigger, stronger, faster. A hundred percent. And to me, it always is cool to see like coaches, sports scientists, or people who have tons of education, it just a lot of times on their their messages just comes back to sleep. Like this is so important. And, it impacts everything. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I I definitely even through yeah going through the having children myself and seeing how the swing of sleep. And for me, it's actually I think been more thing where it's kind of caught up to me. Like it's like I felt like I could train through some periods where it wasn't as great, but it's almost like I just eventually. It's like I was taking it on the credit card, and then <laughs> and then I found a period where I had to pay it back, and this just trade yeah. was not going good. Yeah, I, I, I'm blessed to work from home and run my own businesses. So even though I do wake up early in the morning, like by choice, I go to sleep bed early, but I can uh, modify my sleep schedule. So if my body needs more sleep, I'm going to stay in bed longer. Like I don't have a set get up time so i i'm able to that's why i say between seven and nine hours sometimes i'm feeling more rested i'll be up earlier uh stay up a little bit later so it's i, I have roughly equal go to sleep and get up times but variable yeah <laughs> and i think that's important so some people are going to need like more specific times and that's really going to help them because getting into the routine of it but i i feel i can have that flexibility and that helps with the flexibility of recovery demands from my workouts yeah for sure uh, and that's one thing especially with me kind of hitting the wall i feel like I, I turned 36 and then you know, a few months before that i was kind of hitting a little bit of a wall and that was one of the first things i had kind of gone to was how can i make my sleep better mm -hmm. and so it, to kind of summarize um no technology in, in the bedroom or before uh like turn off your phone well before bed um, you had said uh, electron or grounding. And that's one thing you said too that I think is really cool. That really is like almost like the theme of this whole show is it's the subtlety. Like, right? Like, so much of our society is, you know, it's got to be big. It's got to have a big effect. Just like, uh, and I know we'll get into this regular, you know, the mm -hmm. hyper caffeine pre workout supplements <laughs> versus herbalism, which we'll get into in a bit. But I just feel like so much of this is our just like coming back to being the human being and all the little subtle things that come with it that our body is naturally engineered to do where we've just modern society just takes us out of it. You know? Right. Well, I've been thinking about, so on the subject of habits, right? So 
sleep as a habit, right? It's something we all engage in, but how we go about that process. So there's kind of like the, the large category of sleep. Then there's all these small things that fit into it that we're doing regularly. So like one of the other best things for sleep that not many people are doing because of our modern lifestyle is one of the best things that you do is like first thing in the morning or sometime in the morning, go and get actual sunlight into your eyes. Just get the yeah. ambient light. So many people are staying indoors all the time and you know, I'm one of them. I'm indoors most of the time, but uh, having that light that is triggering serotonin, which later turns into melatonin. So this helps regulate the daily cycle of the the sleep wake cycle by having that environmental signal of the sun, which us humans have always had for as long as we've been humans. And even before that, that we've only gotten away from in modern day living. This is one of the best things that's going to help regulate the hormone cycles and everything that goes along with sleep. So we have to look at, yeah, kind of the big things, but also then like, you know, how can we change our environment? So I don't have to do anything to really have that electrical grounding on my bed. It's there. It's part of the environment and it's just helping reinforce the things. So what big and small things can you do? How can you tweak your environment? How can you make it all better so that you really have a, a solid base of habits around this one subject we call sleep? Yeah. And, and it's almost like a rule of thumb. It's like the more like camping it is, the better. <laughs> the closer you get to camping, you know, turn off the phone, turn off the, even the Wi. And when you first said Wi-Fi, almost the one thing I was thinking about was like, well, just don't be on like, you know, social media. And, but, but more than that, even like the electrical radiation. And, well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It's a stack of things, right? So yeah, yeah the blue light that's coming from our devices, mm-hmm. trying to avoid that before bed, but also understanding the electrical signals. So if you can shut off your Wi-Fi, yeah, your neighbor's Wi-Fi is probably still yeah. <laughs> affecting you unless you're in a rural area. But then can we go a step further, understanding that there's wires that are, uh, even if they're wired properly, like still ambient amounts of that electricity is getting through and it tends to be actually right at the line of where your head is at. in your bed. So recognizing these different things and just doing them and yeah, it takes tiniest bit of work to go shut off the power breaker and then turn it on in the morning but really not much so why not do it yeah i think that's one of those things especially the phone and electronic stuff is like that habit that the faster that i think athletes and people who are training and anybody or anybody mm-hmm. can get to doing that the better and i know that's been something that the long i remember when i first started this whole website like almost 10 years ago i was i was starting right i would write from like 9 to 11 because i was so pumped up about it and then drink mm-hmm. a bunch of coffee in the morning and it's like you can only sustain that for so long now if i have my computer on after eight o'clock i'm just like ah, like you know i try to like light a candle and then just kind of like totally chill out um and then maybe this will lend us a little bit into some of the diet herbs and supplements area um but is there anything from a supplemental herbal perspective that you also use to help prepare yourself to get a deeper more restful sleep uh, not personally, once again, because I don't feel I need it at this stage, mm-hmm. but there's a wide, wide range of things. My wife, who does unfortunately not sleep quite as mm-hmm. well as me, she does take a number of things, uh, sometimes melatonin that is obviously that works really great. This is a hormone in the body. And ideally I like to get to the point your body should be releasing enough melatonin. It's taking care of itself, but there's a time and place to supplement with that. And it's also like a manti. Uh, master antioxidant, very anti-cancerous, so probably not a good thing to be adding from time to time. If I take melatonin, though, I'm so groggy in the morning. That's the thing, like sleep herbs or whatnot, because I am good on the sleep, it'll just kind of like be too much for me. Uh, She's been taking CBD a lot lately, and that's working. I know that's one of the trendiest things Mm -hmm. in the herbal world right now, but a lot of people are having great results from doing so, or, you know, even smoking the real stuff uh, that people are having good results and a whole bunch of other herbs. There's kava, valerian, hops, uh, blue vervain, a bunch of different things, ashwagandha that can really help support the sleep. So most people, 
a lot of people say they've tried all kinds of things and they have barely even scratched the surface of oh. what's really available out there uh, tons of supplements and herbs out there yeah i'm sure there's you know uh what about like i mean just like just like a basic like tea before bedtime i'm sure that's pretty you know par for the course for a lot of people right? yeah yeah definitely sleepy time tea all, all kinds of different things and that can be good so understanding that there's the like physiological effects of these but also the routine of it can be a very important part so similar to how music will put people in the state for the workout um one you could use music for this too but just the pre-bed routine getting into that that becomes the habit that triggers your body and mind everything to get into that mode rather than going like oh i'm oh i've been scrolling on facebook for two hours i should try to go to sleep not the best way to do it oh 100 <laughs> yeah it's almost like that tea can or whatever it could be almost like the anchor it's yeah. like okay tea's out you know technology's off mm-hmm. wi-fi's off like caveman caveman it yep. up you know for a little bit yeah it's state control so the same things we were talking about with competition just there's a whole bunch of routes to this uh, anchoring is a whole big subject but there are many things so the t is a simple way to do that all right on man all right so let's get into uh, I want to have plenty of time for this. So herbs and supplements, and obviously we're talking about um, the subtle versus you know the, you know we live in a society that's like how much caffeine can I put in this pre workout? <laughs> how much beta alanine? So my face has bug you know. And I I went through my I went through actually it's funny you mentioned Mike T Nelson. He was on this show, shoot almost almost three years ago probably talking about how the supplement companies I think he was uh, putting beta alanine in supplements. If not like a big part of that to be so you feel it in your like face, like we have to, it's like, how desensitized are we becoming and how much more caffeine do we have to put in all these things to get a rise? It's just crazy, man. So tell me, I know you, I know Lost Empire Herbs. Tell me about, uh, long story shorter, short story long, <laughs> su- uh, herbs, the role of herbs versus supplements or both in uh, training and performance. Right. So a little bit about how I got into this, as I mentioned before, I'm not naturally athletic or strong. So as I started pursuing being a strong man, I was looking for an edge. Wasn't going to take steroids, you know, what else was out there? So this got me into mental training, studied hypnosis and neurolinguistic programming. So all these different fields. Also, as I began to get into diet and recognize all that, uh, I found out about herbs. Uh, one of the first herbs I took was the cordyceps mushroom, um, which is fairly popular. It's this fungi that is in the Himalayan mountains that attaches to caterpillars. It's very interesting stuff. But uh, people are finding, athletes are finding, you take that and it helps with endurance. So I took some of that and I had great results. And so started going deeper down the herbalist path and found that there's a bunch of different herbs that can help with workouts, but there's herbs literally for just about everything you want to sleep better there's herbs for that you want to improve your sexual performance there's herbs for that athletic performance herbs for that cognitive improvement there's herbs for that whatever you want there are herbs across this world that do that sort of thing for you so uh yeah it's a very fun subject and literally just people have forgotten about herbs when i say the word herbs like it's a weird word to people Mm -hmm. they think that i'm talking about cannabis or like culinary herbs like Mm -hmm. rosemary and whatnot which rosemary is great but i say these are not your grandma's herbs (laughs) there's some very potent extracts and things that can do a lot more so i often use the term performance herbalism right so if you want to perform better whether this is sleep or in the gym there are herbs for doing that yeah, I think even like herbs, it's like maybe people think about like, you know, commercialism, like Herbalife or, so, you know, like something that's very, I think like the one thing that I've noticed in, in working with your products is like, it's very, it just seems very organic, like mm-hmm. very, you know, it comes, you can like smell it and it's like, 
it's it's like this almost just this literally just came from the earth like i can yeah. smell this this is not like <laughs> the shilajit literally yeah yeah and and this, so th- that's the yeah. thing you're talking about the beta alanine and how much yeah. caffeine in there in order to like have something people mm-hmm. can feel I, and the reason they're doing that is people think they're they're feeling something which is good so we 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 try to focus on herbs and not all of our herbs are like this but a lot of them uh they're one potent extracts and we source very good quality stuff that people actually know notice a result from doing so so uh one of your favorites you're saying is the phoenix formula many people take that and they notice they have more energy right so how many supplements are you taking because most people take supplements on faith they heard it's good for them they heard it's supposed to do something and so they take it and they're like yeah i don't know and then maybe they try it again if for whatever reason right if they continue believing in it but uh we we really wanted to focus on things that people actually have a tangible feelable effects with uh, and then that that's going to show you just how powerful these herbs actually are which is like i said such a forgotten part of our world yeah and i'll say the the phoenix formula itself and you'll have to, honestly you'll have to remind me what all is in there all i remember 100 percent is there's ants there's ants in here yep. and i remember i the, i took a tablespoon of this and this is this coincided and and i'll link to this i was trying to get off of co- like i'm trying to lower my coffee intake and i because i just think it's so easy to just you know we and this is the same thing with training like we get desensitized to everything over time so we have to do more and some of my podcasts i talk about like even in training athletes where we give them everything too early and there's nowhere to go and it's almost like it becomes that way i think some supplements mm-hmm. and pre-workouts like well i just gotta take more caffeine one of the things i hated about caffeine pre or supplements or pre-workouts and even to a level even just doing coffee in the morning is you always have to do a little bit more or you have to always do it to have that feeling and the more um like chemical pre-workout i took i also found there was a really big gap that started to 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 show up between my training and my competition like it used to be when i was in Mm -hmm. when i was in college i didn't drink coffee uh i i had a a i didn't do any pre-workouts I didn't even. They really, didn't exist back then. <laughs> yeah, no, and and, and, and it's funny because there was a there was a pre war there was there was Ultimate Orange and like all this old yeah. school stuff and there was this one thing I it's called Power Drive I think and I think it had some stuff in there that might even be NCAA like not approved now <laughs> like this was like in 2005 and I would take it for competition and it I I definitely felt like it helped but I would never take it during training well one I wasn't didn't it I mm-hmm. was a poor college kid and I didn't have money to have this for everything. But as I got older and I had more money to spend on these these things, my, my training, it took my training up. But then I found when I went to compete, that like extra surge of adrenaline wasn't really there. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like that. It's like the get both ends kind of met towards the middle where training went up a little bit, but competition started to go down. And I was like, this isn't cool. And then I've just completely had phased out. Even before I got into herbalism, I had completely phased out pre-workouts just because yep. I'm like, this is, I do not want to rely on well, this. This is a <laughs> similar sort of thing for me. It got in a way, like recognizing coming from like commercial bodybuilding, like using all this crap and whatnot, and then not really getting results with it. Recognize, oh, just like eat real foods, right? Mm-hmm. So get yeah. away from the GNC sort of world. But from that like place of eat real foods, oh, there's there's like real supplements for yeah. lack of a yeah. better words, right? And so working with all natural stuff and it was the same sort of thing. I, I experimented, this was a bit later on with some of those pre-workouts. C4 was one that I used, but mm-hmm. this is like bright blue color. It's like, I, I know that's not healthy for me, but it did have some positive effects mm-hmm. in the gym. 
So then I set about working with it and we came up with our Hercules pre-workout formula, like completely herbal, nothing, not even like uh, isolated vitamins or minerals added into that, just using herbal stuff. And I believe we we're the first herbal pre-workout supplement. I, I, I think some people have copied us now, but yeah, could we have similar sort of effects with something that not only improves your performance then, but it's really adding to your health, having good yes. side effects rather than negative ones. <laughs> yes. you're not like gonna, you you're look not, at yeah. some of those things yeah. like, warning, you could have a heart attack. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. I want to take this. Or, I mean, for a young like college athlete, it's almost like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take this. Right. this is so bad. It's like, but you have to pay for it all later. Like It's just you're, you're building up currency against your body by continually ingesting right. that stuff over time. All kinds of chemicals. And like caffeine, right? So coffee... I, it's an herb, right? Like most people don't think of it as that. And it's a quite a powerful one. It's very addictive and uh, people do use and abuse it, but it also has some really good effects, has some negative effects. Mm. So we got to balance it. And I drink coffee. I actually tend to throw herbs in there. I use that as a oh, delivery vehicle because um, it is like a stim circulatory stimulant and stimulates everything. So it's kind of driving the herb into the body. Uh, but right now I'm laying off for like six weeks or so just because I haven't taken a break just completely off of coffee for a while to resensitize my body to it because it is such a stimulating substance. Oh, yeah. I I, I mean, I, I do about like a cup of... I've definitely taken my coffee way down in the morning because just like that, I felt like I was becoming so desensitized where... If you have it, you're not really, really even feeling that first cup. Right. Physiologically, you have definitely desensitized yourself to it. And so that was I mean, that was a big reason I wanted to get on the herbal train. And so it was crazy, man. Like even like getting off a of coffee and I've been off of pre-workouts for a while because I'm like, I forget this stuff. But even just doing um, like the feet, the first time I took the Phoenix formula, I, I took I took a lot because I'm like, all right, if I'm going to take this, it was just my mentality. I took like a yeah. tablespoon, but I felt like this good like, dose. <laughs> this buzzing through my whole body. I never would have thought I would have got that from just a mixture of herbs. Like it was like, I remember two, three minutes after I'm mm -hmm. sitting out in my backyard, I'm like feeling this little tingling. I was like, this is really cool. And I, I never felt that before from, I mean, it's just totally different. It's like a subtle little energy you feel throughout your whole body rather than this more jolty yeah. type vibe. And that largely is the ant uh, for whatever reason. Like, <laughs> okay, it's weird. Okay. So so it's a polyrichus ant. Certain type of ant species has been used a long time in Chinese medicine. We have an extract. There's not like antlers or uh, antennas or legs yeah. you're going to find in the powder there. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, most people that take that feel like usable energy from mm -hmm. it right away right away then there's also the shilajit which is like working on your mitochondria and your uh cells and everything so a couple different things in there but that the ant tends to be the the part that gives the energy feeling yeah that's like the beta alanine that's the chinese beta alanine <laughs> yeah. maybe i'll use that the beta alanine. I like it. yeah um so yeah so and i will say too like so i mean obviously i started using this stuff but i noticed and i did start start taking creatine about the same time again because i hadn't taken creatine in a while and you know there's always many factors at play but i got and i was using your hypnosis stuff too so i was like i just got on the the logan train with all this <laughs> stuff but i got a lot stronger within a couple of weeks like my lifts were up like like at least 10 pounds and i was like there's something to this stuff and i just felt like even like mm -hmm. going to the herb just like the level of the cell like building the athlete from the level of the cell outwards because it I wouldn't say I don't think you really market that as like a a purely as a strength. It's just a holistic. Isn't it like a holistic health and energy more more. Yeah, the the, the Phoenix formula is what we call the rejuvenation formula. So the the myth of the Phoenix is the firebird that you know dies in ashes and then it's reborn yeah. from the ashes. So the idea is we're kind of doing that for your health. It's really focusing on some deep level stuff within the body to kind of reignite that that health and like I, people. 
tend to have this belief that things go downhill as they get older, that their energy is going to go away and not going to have great workout results. But I think the, the truth is that's kind of our birthright. We should have great energy basically up until the point we're dying and then die and it should be a relatively quick process at the end. Uh, we should be able to have like strength throughout our life. Uh, so instead, as my good friend Peter Ragnar says, time is not toxic. It's not the time itself. It's what happens over that time, uh, which is largely, if we're talking about like nutrition, the lack of certain micronutrients, then the addition of toxicities. And we can even look at this across like mental, emotional levels and whatnot. Uh, so if we can really kind of fill in those gaps in that first place, then that just natural energy is going to flow much better. Oh, hundred percent. I, I just love, I love that subtle natural energy. It's like, once you start becoming more friendly with it it just is so much more powerful mm -hmm. uh what so for people who are just like you know don't even know where to start with all these because you like there's a million herbs or not maybe not a million but there's a lot like yep. at, i mean where do you even and just let's just talk for i mean and I, like i said i'm sure you'd agree like the, the link between the health that you get for them and your manifestation and your athletic performance would be profound but in terms of like the big rocks like for an athlete mm -hmm. if i'm just looking at big rock herbs like what what are some like pillars that you think are just for the average athlete that would be things to look at yeah well i'll point out if you guys want to head to lostempireherbs.com we have a new herbal quiz so you'll see buttons for that right on the top and basically it asks like what are you interested in is it athletics or sleep or whatnot and based on a few different questions depending on the category it will narrow you down to a recommended herb on our website so i'm really happy about having that because for the longest time it's been like show up the website never heard of any of these things where do i start it's one of the biggest questions we get uh, for athletes. Um, I mean, specifically, if you're looking for performance, I would head straight to our Hercules pre-workout formula. So this is a little bit similar to the Phoenix. A lot of people have enjoyed the Phoenix as a pre-workout just because it has that ant in there, has that energy stimulating thing. But the ant and the Shilajit are also in the Hercules. And yeah, that stuff just is amazing. I, I feel personally taking that, it improves my like capacity to do work. Like I can most of my workouts aren't very long, but if I take Hercules, I feel like I can just do more and more sets, like almost nonstop. It's just kind of crazy how much more I can do from that because it gives you energy that really sustains. And some of those yeah. are the adaptogenic herbs, the cordyceps I mentioned earlier, rhodiola, a few different things in there that are just amazing. Yeah. Uh, the, so could you take me into Yeah. So there's the, the shilajit you mentioned, because yep. I know we talked about the ant, the ant, the energy or like, and I know with the Chinese medicine, I mean, I'm sure we could get all, all kinds of out there and in a good way, but like what, I mean, what a, so shilajit, uh, what is that? What is that? So shilajit is actually a mineral pitch that comes from the Himalayan mountains. It's known as the destroyer of weakness. So, you know, if you want to be stronger, pay attention. Uh, and also the conqueror of mountains. So it's a, it's a, like a, it's ancient vegetative matter that kind of get compressed down by the mountains and then it's coming up minimally processed in a way that uh, makes it extremely rich in trace minerals. It has fulvic and humic acids, which can help the body detoxify and also like deliver things better into the cells. Uh, they say that you take shilajit with other things and it kind of potentiates, oh, okay. makes more powerful the effects. So it's great to have inside the formulas. So that's a little bit about it. Yeah. So that's what the formulas just really make it simple, like rather than kind of, yeah, like, you, yeah. we have a lot of single herbs, so you absolutely can play with, uh, single things, but yeah, our formulas are popular for a reason where they're built around like specific effects people are going for and they deliver on them quite well. 
I imagine with the whole herb thing too, and that's just the one thing I noticed. And yours is the only herbs I've really taken. Like I, I never even really thought about this stuff till probably our first podcast together. Yeah. But I, I feel like the sourcing has got to be so critical because there's probably a lot of herbs that just like organic food, right, or, or the nutrient delivery or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So if people are looking like, like, how does the sourcing of all this play in? Yeah, the sourcing is really important. There, unfortunately, is a lot of crap out there in supplements, herbal and mm-hmm. otherwise, right? And, you know, how many companies can you actually find details on this like you're mentioning taking creatine and mm-hmm. apparently there's some kind of sketchy processes yeah. that are used to create that so i haven't looked too deep into that but a friend was telling me about such a yeah. thing so might want to dig into it uh with our sourcing so we do get our herbs from all across the world kind of depends where we can find the best source the uh, shilajit comes from it's more of an ayurvedic medicine rather than chinese medicine so we have suppliers in china in india some in the u.s south america europe like all over because we use all kinds of different herbs. Uh, the thing that we do that many other people do not is we independently lab test the stuff, which is quite expensive, but we send it off to one verify that it is what they say it is mm-hmm. because unfortunately it's not always. Uh, we've had some suppliers that shipped us stuff and did not pass. Uh, but then there are, yeah, testing for heavy metals, testing for microbes. Our heavy metal standards are stricter than any of the governments out there. So we make sure everything passes those with flying colors. So, and we post all those tests publicly on our websites. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't done this with all of our suppliers, but some of them, especially within the U.S., like we know the people. We've gone to the farms. There's video on our website where you can see that kind of stuff. Uh, particular note there is our ashwagandha is grown up around Portland, Oregon. Amazing, amazing stuff. Then our shazandra comes from a farm out in Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, just it's phenomenal stuff better quality than you'll find just about anywhere else and that's the thing it's like i started this company along with my two brothers and we got into this because we want to take the herbs for ourselves and support (laughs) our own performance so we wanted the highest quality stuff for ourselves and then you know might as well share it with everyone else if we're doing that kind of work (laughs) i think that's the best like even the best coaching the best everything that it all started with the the end of one like and finding the best you could and then it grows outwards Mm -hmm. one thing i think a lot of people have questions of because i've seen this isn't even just with your company i've seen other Mm -hmm. athletes who have been recommended in a performance herb or supplement by another health professional and they but they've been hesitant because of like for for professional organizations and drug testing and thinking well what if this has something i mean is there any in, the, in terms of herbalism, is is there any sort of uh, way that we can make sure these are, I guess, safe, quote unquote, or is that is that something that might be done in the future? Or is that a possibility? I think most are safe. We do have a deer antler product, and I know that's come under scrutiny. We are apparently on the NFL ban list, <laughs> but I don't know about college stuff. You'll have to look a bit further than that, but like ant is not on the radar and it doesn't actually have anything in it that is going to get banned. Most of our products are like that. Like most people have never heard of half the stuff we sell. Our biggest seller is pine pollen, literally the pollen of pine trees, but uh, pretty helpful in that it has phytoandrogens. So these androgenic substances that really help our body and our hormone system uh, for men as well as women. Yeah. Pine pollen. I know that's another, and I was going to say too, that um, I really like before I get too far, I really liked how you put the beet powder in the Hercules. Because yep. that's like, because the beet um, has like an oxidative, or I know it's good for like endurance. Nitric oxide, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so one thing about our herbs, tell people if we a lot of them taste pretty bad, <laughs> especially like Hercules, yeah, Phoenix. Yeah. They really have like an earthy dirt 
like flavor um, many people you know if you've had like pre-workouts most of that stuff is chemical like flavorings mm-hmm. in order to make it taste decent um so for one we just tell people like man up like it's not that bad just kind of down it but you can also add something like the beet juice powder that we have available which actually tastes really good and is going to add more of the uh, athletic performance benefits at the same time kind of and we do have some stuff in capsules and whatnot so you can bypass the taste but there is reason to actually taste the herbs in the first place kind of clues your body into what to do with them yeah i i totally agree with that i remember reading that i think when i whatever for the first product I bought, like reading that it's important to taste the herbs. And mm-hmm. it, the idea of even just modern society kind of disconnects us with feeling ourselves. Oh, you shouldn't feel pain. Oh, you shouldn't right. feel, you know, Dr. Tyree John, one of my mentors, is always saying that, like, we, that society teaches us these things, but we need to feel. And I think we need to taste. And we need to, and honestly, a lot of those herbs that, you know, like, or at least a few that I didn't like at first, I'm like, yeah, I don't mind. I actually kind of like it now. It's not Tastes are malleable. Yeah. They, yeah. they really do adapt. And largely the Western society has said the bitter taste is bad. Let's do away with that yeah. completely. Right. And so understand that if something has a bitter flavor, there are certain groups of compounds in there mm-hmm. um, that if you are never having them, your body is not getting any, you're like blocking off a whole section of nutrition in there so actually understanding the different tastes like you have five or six different tastes depending on how you divide them up and uh, you really should be tasting all these things it's going to be more balancing to do so yeah. so there's good reasons to do it and really it, it helps clue your body into what to do with the stuff oh 100 percent. i i'm not I'm not saying this plays a factor at all but it does even make me think of like you know the placebo effect where it's like if this the the gnarlier this tastes <laughs> like not saying i'm not saying that that's why it works so we do use it tagline uh <laughs> tastes so bad so you know it's good yeah, yeah, it <laughs> exactly well, yeah it, 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 think of it as medicine right it's yeah. not supposed to taste good though there are some herbs that actually do taste good so yeah. it's, it's good to kind of understand the different flavor profiles now you can mix and match things it can yeah. be fun yeah it seems like um a last one i'll just touch on is i know pine pollen seems like it's almost like a very wide use type thing it's just you do it in a dropper like what's what's the deal with pine pollen so as i was mentioning it has those different androgenic substances in there so it's going into the body and basically kind of upregulating the uh sex hormones the testosterone those different hormones hormones are very complex so there's all kinds of things going on there but basically that is what's doing so uh, especially like older guys right tend to have a dip in testosterone over time and overall like just men i think all humans across the board because we have so uh many xenoestrogenic and uh, various other endocrine disrupting chemicals in our environment in our food or water everywhere that we're seeing this decline across the species so that's somewhat problematic that's why we're seeing like fertility rates declining and a lot of people having issues there as well uh so this can be very helpful in helping to restore that um, a more balanced hormonal system both for men and women so not a lot of women recognize that one they even have testosterone but they actually have like 10 times as much testosterone as estradiol the main estrogen yeah there's just there's vastly more of it just it's not on the radar of most people so many women some women do have too much testosterone the hyperandrogenism that you may need to stay away from the pine pollen but many women are actually going to have low testosterone and if you're looking things for like energy or athletic performance or sex drive that can be very helpful Oh yeah. Um, actually that I do have one more thing that I was just thinking about. It's just coffee and trying to get 
One of the reasons, too, I've always thought of to get away from coffee is if you are going to compete and you do use caffeine for that competition level where you save it for that competition, and it's going to help you there. It's probably better if you aren't also drinking a slew of coffee. It's going to help you more if you're not drinking a slew of coffee during the day where you're desensitized. So in terms of getting off that, I know you do like a mushroom tincture and that I've used that. I like Four mm-hmm. Sigmatic's pretty well known with the mushroom coffee. Uh, in terms of people who maybe want to reduce their stimulation during the day and drinking a little less coffee, what are some herbal principles that can help people start to get away from being too reliant on coffee in the course of a day? Yeah, I'd say definitely like easing back or there can be a time and place to go cold turkey with it. There's a like I, I make a kind of a faux coffee drink mm-hmm. that I do. I use a product called Dandy Blend, which is roasted dandelion and uh, chicory roots. Uh, I think barley may be in there. So mm-hmm. a couple different things has an earthy flavor. Then I'll throw in some different herbs. I like Hoshu Wu in the coffee. Uh, so this can be done with coffee or without. I'll just mention the few herbs I use. Hoshu Wu, uh, chaga, which is one of the mushrooms, has a real good mm-hmm. flavor. And actually, just like chaga tea by itself, has somewhat of a coffee-like flavor. Uh, then also sestanch, which is another great like performance herb. Um, so those are the ones I add in my coffee, but I'll also throw them in this faux coffee drink. Maca can be a great one in there. So you can just kind of mix and match and make a similar... A lot of people are... I mean, coffee is addictive, so really that unique taste is part of it. Mm-hmm. But just having like that warm drink in the morning, especially if you add, you know, I'm not recommending cream and sugar, but if you do like bulletproof style, you can do the same sort of thing with other drinks as well and kind of have a similar sort of feeling and taste to it, uh, which can be helpful for overcoming that. But some other stuff are, we have a gynostemma tea, which is, uh, it's a grass that is not well known, but it has similar compound or actually the same compounds as ginseng. Uh, so ginseng is one of the most well-known roots or uh, herbs in the world. Uh, it's also very expensive for that reason to get high quality ginseng. And most of the stuff, if you find ginseng at 7-Eleven or GNC, like it's low quality crap, you don't want to actually <laughs> want it. It's like immature and yeah. stimulating, not actually like balancing. Uh, but so this gynostemic grass, way cheaper, but has the, some of the ginsenocides in it and can be really helpful, actually very good for athletes as well. So that can be a fun drink to look at. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that's all awesome stuff. I know, and it, just for me, I was just, just I just have my coffee and just putting some of those things in there, and it was, mm-hmm. it was awesome. I just think that was a, it, it's really cool to, it's just really cool to learn about all this yeah. stuff. I, I'll, I'll yeah. mention like the the Hoshu Wu has a slight calming effect, but the the Rishi mushroom chaga, some of these more like Shen like herbs. So even though you have the stimulation of the coffee. Uh, you can kind of tone that down with some of the herbs, have some of the relaxing okay. components along with it. That way it's more like a yin-yang type of balance. Or if it's like, if you're like, a, oh, I have to have coffee in the afternoon person, then at least put Hisho Wu in it or whatever. <laughs> like, yep. um, Right on, man. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, uh, I think that's about all the time we have. I'd love, love to have gotten uh, more into some of the other elements of the pyramid. I know we didn't touch on the spiritual end of things, but... I mean, I just think that this the total picture is always so important to cover. I think, you know, it's always good to do shows that deal with one point individually, but it's nice to zoom out and kind of get into everything. So uh, thank you so much for your time today, Logan. It's awesome working out with you and then sitting down to do the show. appreciate it, man. Yeah, this was great fun. And yeah, I think really understanding that you may get little performance bumps by focusing on one thing but really when you can stack them together like you're saying you start taking the herbs and did hypnosis and yeah. stack these different things together that's where really like some pretty significant performance leaps can come from i agree absolutely yeah and it absolutely helped so all right well, hey thank, thank you, you. Ben.
Well, that does it for another show. Thanks for tuning in with us. We appreciate you listening. If you enjoy what you're hearing, definitely check us out on or uh, leave us a review rating on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening to. And man, that was just a fun talk with Logan. And it's always good to zoom out and look at each of those elements in a in a structure that makes sense with achieving our highest performance. As always, don't forget to visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology. And check out their blog and their store. They just restructured the format of their website. It looks amazing. So check out what they've done and uh, be sure to support them. They've been an awesome support of us and what we do. All right, that does it for this week. I'm signing out. We'll see you next one with another great guest.